Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. With most lawmakers away on a two-week recess, the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump continued last week with closed-door depositions and dueling statements from the White House and congressional Democrats. This week appears to have more of the same in store. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. Today on the show, we're going to be turning our attention away from Washington and toward one of the unique state election setups in the country. Voters in Louisiana will go to the polls on October 12th for the gubernatorial primary election. To discuss the Louisiana election and why it matters nationally, BGov Deputy News Director Lauren Duggan is here in the studio. Hello. And Jennifer Kay, a staff correspondent covering Florida, Mississippi, and Louisiana, joins us on the phone. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. How are you? Great. Let's start with some basics of Louisiana's election system. I, I mentioned that it's one of the unique setups in the country. Tell us about this open primary. Well, first of all, this is one of the states that goes to the polls in an off year, right? We're in 2019, not an election year that ends in an eight or a zero as we normally see. And this state's also different, both in its federal elections and in its state elections, because there's a jungle primary where everybody runs at once, regardless of party. And if no one crosses a 50% threshold, then there's a runoff. So the dates here to watch are October 12th. That's what's technically the primary election, and that's where we'll see all these candidates on the ballot at once. If no one gets 50% in this election, there will be a runoff on November 16th. So um, dates that are very different from even if you look in Virginia, where we have some elections, but those are kind of in November. So um, a little bit different system, a little bit different timing than most vote watchers are used to, but um, something that's very interesting given the dynamics of the race. It's an interesting open primary for some campaign watchers in Louisiana because you have two Republicans this year against the incumbent governor, Democrat John Bell Edwards. Some election watchers are, are wondering why Republicans let that happen. They had three Republicans in the 2015 election uh, that did not go their way and led to John Bell Edwards taking the governor's mansion that year. Some say maybe they didn't learn their lessons. Some say you know, the two that you have running this year, Ralph Abraham and Eddie Rossoni, are just trying to capitalize really on their connections to Donald Trump. I want to get more into them in a little bit. But first, Lauren, you mentioned this was... Uh, the dates are a little weird. What caught my eye, Jennifer, is that it's actually a Saturday election day down there. What's the, the thought process behind that? And does that have any effects on the way elections have gone down there? It's actually written into the Louisiana election code. A particular Saturday is when the primary is. And then so many Saturdays after that, deep into November, is when you have the general election if needed. It just seems to be one of those political traditions that they've always been a little off schedule in Louisiana. And in the late 70s, early 80s, that's how it got codified, and it's, that's just how it's continued. They do have early voting down there, and I know it, it ended this past weekend, so they don't have it the week before the election. But uh, from what I was reading, it sounded like they had record turnout for uh, at least the initial days of early voting. How are the campaigns looking at that? Uh, well, the John Bell Edwards campaign is looking at it very favorably. They seem to interpret it as a good sign for them. Uh, John Bell Edwards seems to do pretty consistent among early voters in 2015 statewide. There were some districts where obviously he did much better and some where he did uh, much worse than his Republican opponents at that time. But you know, overall statewide, he had pretty consistent early voting numbers, whereas Republican candidates did not. 
Uh, so it might be a good sign for him to see people out early voting again this year. We've heard the names of, of the major candidates. Let's get into a little bit who they are, what they're running on. Uh, let's start with the, the incumbent Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards. He, he's not really aligned with the National Party on a lot of things, is he? No. He's, he's the only Democratic governor in the Deep South. And what that seems to mean is that he has to make Republicans comfortable with voting for him. He is definitely out of step on some of the national issues like gun control and abortion. He supported the latest abortion restrictions that the Louisiana legislature passed this year, uh, one of the so-called heartbeat bills. He's signed previous abortion restrictions as well. He's a pro-life candidate. Uh, And on gun control, he's quick to clarify in debates when he's asked about universal background checks that he only supports them for commercial gun sales. But he wants the people of Louisiana to know that he's not for complete, universal, everywhere background checks on guns. This This is somewhat typical, I think, of of what Democrats have to do to get statewide office in these deep south states. You see the same conversation happening with the gubernatorial candidates in Mississippi as well. On the other hand, he did move to expand Medicaid in the state, which is something very few Republican governors have done. He did, and he's, that's been a very popular move. And he's quick to point out that he did manage to get some bipartisan support for that move. Uh, he also managed to get bipartisan support for some criminal justice initiatives to reduce the population, the prison population in Louisiana. So he's he's been trying to to promote his ability to work across the aisle throughout this campaign, and he's gotten some support from those Republican lawmakers that he worked with on those programs as well. Those lawmakers have been very critical of his Republican gubernatorial opponents who've been trying to bash those initiatives. They're saying, look, you know, we, we know he's a Democrat, but he, he was able to do something that we all supported, and, and we continue to support that. Let's talk about those Republicans. Representative Ralph Abraham and Louisiana businessman Eddie Rispone, they've both been endorsed by the state GOP, which I, I, you alluded to earlier is a little bit abnormal. Why the double endorsement, and uh, how are these two candidates countering the, the more conservative tack from Governor Edwards? Well, and they've, both Abraham and Rossoni have not only gotten support from the state GOP, but they also got a tweet from President Trump, who supported Louisiana, go out and vote Republican. Both Abraham and Rossoni want the voters to know that they're the most conservative conservatives in the race, who can be most closely aligned with President Trump and his policies. Uh, Rossoni, you know, from the get-go in his campaign, aligned himself with the border wall, saying, you know, Louisiana is going to help build President Trump border wall. Louisiana is not a border state, so it's, it's a bit interesting as to why he would pick that particular national issue to hang his campaign on. Abraham has re- attacked Rispone for claiming that Abraham doesn't support Trump enough. Like, I mean, that's kind of what the campaign has kind of boiled down to for the Republican side, is one saying, well, you don't support President Trump enough, and the other one saying, no, I support our wonderful president 100%. And I think what's key here is for the Republican Party, it's not about either of these candidates winning on Saturday. It's about keeping John Bell Edwards under 50 percent. And then whoever among the two of them emerges will have the full backing of the party to try to knock Edwards out in the November 16th general or runoff, depending on how you want to look at it. So um, the, the distinction here is get as many Republican votes as you can, regardless of the candidate. And the two of them will be fighting it out amongst themselves who winds up number two in, in that listing, basically, on uh, at the end of October 12th. 
So are there any other candidates worth noting in this? We, we hear about the big three if you read any reporting on it, but there are a few other names in this race. So I was in Louisiana a few weeks ago on a vacation, just a trip going to New Orleans and Baton Rouge. And one of the signs that stuck out to me was Landrew. Um, you hear that name, you automatically think of Mitch Landrew, who was the mayor, or you think of Mary Landrew, who was a senator who represented the state for many years, um, who lost a couple of years ago, was one of the wave of Southern Democratic senators who got knocked out. Turns out he is related to those Landrews, but he's cut from a somewhat different cloth. His name's Gary Landrew. He's running as an independent, um, obviously could trade on his name and get votes that way. And perhaps he's somebody who could be a spoiler over time just by people maybe thinking, oh, I know the name Landrew. I'll check that box. Um, but he's he would not be somebody who most Democrats, I think, would support just given some of the policy positions he's taken. I think Mayor Landrew once referred to to Gary as one of the, quote, crazy cousins that we all have in all of our families. Um, I don't think there was necessarily a lot of love lost in that political family. You know, these names are, you see the signs and their, their names are kind of eye-catching, but they, they really haven't come up in, uh, in most discussions about the race. It's the big three and then these three kind of weird fringe candidates. And who are the other two fringe candidates, just for completeness? <laughs> Everybody has a, a quote in their name. Uh, there's the Democrat Oscar Omar Dantzler and Republican Patrick Livewire Landry. I uh, believe Livewire at one point in his past professional life was an electrician. That may be where the, the name comes from. I'm all for origin stories uh, in politics <laughs> and, and everywhere else. So if, if Edwards doesn't win re-election, uh, there will be a, another uh, a runoff or, or a general election. We've already seen President Trump said he's going to go down and rally to try to get Republicans above the 50, or at least to, to deny uh, Governor Edwards 50%. Where does the campaign go? I guess, um, what will the focus of the campaigns be once it's down to a Democrat and a Republican? You're going to see the attacks on each other pick up speed. They've already... We've already had the Republicans sniping at Edwards' policies as governor. Um, Edwards has generally tried to stay above it, although the, uh, the gumbo pack, the democratically aligned political action committee, has, has gone after Rispone in particular for some of his business practices. He's an industrial contractor. If no one wins outright on the 12th, you get five to six more weeks of really increasingly attacking political ads. So uh, the Republicans in this race are trying to nationalize it. We'll take a national lens here to, to end this conversation. What are the broader implications for 2020 that can be drawn from this campaign, especially in Democrats uh, located in areas that backed Donald Trump in 2016? Well, I think that what we've seen over time is that Democrats have more success winning state riding governor's races than they do in senator races, which are kind of the statewide races you can look at. For example, we have a Democratic governor in Montana. We have a Democratic governor in Kansas. Those are states that, at least on the face of it, seem unlikely to break for a Democratic candidate in the race for president or even Senate next year. So it might be hard to extrapolate too much, but it's a way to test um, motivation and perhaps even see how impeachment is playing out because, um, you know, Ralph Abraham or Eddie Rispone are going to lock arms with the president quite visibly on Friday night, whereas John Bell Edwards might try to avoid any talk of that national policy because he'd rather focus on the issues at home, how he's governed, how he will govern if he wins another four years versus bringing himself into the national fray, if you will, and what national Democrats are up to. Lauren Duggan is Bloomberg government's deputy news director, and Jennifer Kay is a staff correspondent based in Miami. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for this episode. We'll be back next week when Congress returns to town.
Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Schenk. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And Is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.